Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the CanadianGameDevs.com podcast. This is episode number 198, a number much harder to say in French than English. It's going live for our patrons on September 27th, 2021. Everyone else on September 29th. Uh, it's a weekly show covering all the games made in Canada and the people who create them. My name's Stephen, spelled the P-H-N-A. Uh, so you think it's Stefan, phonetically... It should be Stefan. It's not Stephen. And joining me is Stephen, spelled P-H-N-E, but we just call him Steve to avoid confusion. How you doing, Steve? Yo, what up? I'm doing pretty good. Good. Uh, we are very <laughs> blessed this week to be joined, Steve, by Gabriel from Bluish Green Studios in Toronto, Ontario, hot off of Game Slice 2021, where they were showing off the demo uh, for their game. Oh, it's got three W's. Oh, no. I had it in front of <laughs> oh, me. Oh, dude. <laughs> worlds within worlds. Aha. See, the power of editing, I could make it look a lot smarter there, but I won't. We give people the raw, uncut, clean game devs here. Uh, Gabriel, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. How was your game slice? It was good. Uh, I definitely, I know that some people said they got next to no feedback on their games. I got just in the realm of 14 uh, submissions on my contact form. So mm. it's a good amount of feedback on the game. And uh, as for the game itself, yes, Worlds Within Worlds, if you take a look down on my itch.io page, you, you see that it is uh, adhering to the manu- um, the mandatory multiple W's in the title. I've also got When We Were Young and Wait Warp. Wow, uh, big fan of the W, or just uh, happened out that way? Okay. <laughs> uh, why don't you tell us a bit about, about Blue Screen Studios yourself and, and your path to game dev? I always am interested to hear how people ended up doing this. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Blue Screen Productions is the sort of collective name that I use for really everything that I make. It was the name that I used on my YouTube channel when I put out um, like pivot stick figure animations. It's the name that I use on itch.io for the games that I release. Uh, it's the name of my channel on Twitch where I stream. And it's really... Uh, I got interested in game development um, really just from when I was... Uh, a really young kid like I wanted to make my own Pokemon game Mm. Um, and I saw an opportunity when I was in grade five to participate in a local uh, programming class uh, a summer camp for kids so I was like oh this is awesome I I would learn to make my own video game and I'm gonna sell it and I'm gonna make back the money that we have to spend on going to the camp because that's how (laughs) every kid well I shouldn't say every kid but I, I I definitely ran into other kids at that camp with the same mentality because uh, I actually became a counselor there and I worked there for many years uh, teaching other kids how to make their own games and all the while continuing to work on my own projects releasing a few apps here and there as well as uh, I've managed to release a couple games on Steam as well and yeah so now I'm working on Worlds Within Worlds which is the sort of ongoing project it's a 2D retro platformer and yeah, I'm just focusing on variety and doing my best to maintain a commitment to accessibility as well, because I really feel like, you know, games are for everyone and the experiences that they offer should be accessible and not limited by player skill or physical ability. I noticed that in the demo for Worlds Within Worlds on the very main menu was uh, just an instruction on how to access more accessibility features, which I don't see in a lot of games. Yeah, it was something that uh, I wish I could have drawn even more attention to. And Mm. it's not like the game as it is right now has that much in the way of accessibility features. But I do have the ability to toggle the palette, which is, of course, very important for a game with very uh, limited colors as this one has to make make sure that it's colorblind friendly. 
And also I have a few a few uh, motor assist options like dedicated short and full height jump buttons in case people have trouble with um, pressing the button for dedicated lengths of time to get those different inputs. Mm, that's interesting. That's something I never even thought about. So how did uh, that particular feature come to you? Is that something you looked up or something someone asked for? No, that was actually just something that I figured, like, I, I know that sort of single input is very important for these kind of games. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, even kids, I've seen, I've, I've, I've had plenty of time uh, watching kids play through games and not understand the concept of a variable jump height. Mm-hmm. So I know that for a kid, it might just be helpful to have a button that's like, okay, you press this and you jump the full height. Because a lot of kids nowadays grow up playing Minecraft where there's no such thing as a variable jump height. Huh. Mm. The uh, <laughs> I'm trying to rack my brain to Fortnite does because that'll be, I assume, a fundamental. <laughs> There'll be a bunch of kids in ten years making games uh, who grew up playing Fortnite. Uh, yeah. So we were going to talk more about Worlds Within Worlds later in our in our wish list this segment. Uh, I'd love to to get you to explain a video itchio page because those are always fun. We recently had a uh, Tony Munez on to talk about Last Soul and, and the Steam page there. Uh, that we never we rarely have the the person who set up the uh, the page or public presence for a game that Steve and I are talking about on the show. So going to take advantage of that opportunity. But some book bookkeeping up at the top. Uh, we and this podcast are, of course, part of our patrons. Patreon.com slash KingGameNibs. You know the deal. Uh, shout out to Eric Beer, <laughs> organizer, one of the organizers of Gameslice 2021, our top patron. Uh, you should check out all their work, thebotbook.com. Uh, no longer looking for speakers, sponsors, and attendees uh, for Gameslice 2021. Uh, but they are still, I would believe, will be hiring uh, Unity and Unreal developers in the coming months. So stay tuned for that. And uh, if you back us on Discord, or sorry, Patreon. Don't try and back us on Discord. I don't know who you're giving money to on Discord. You get uh, two-day early access to the pod, game key giveaways, discounts for Canadian gaming events, etc. Uh, and I want to thank a new patron, Steve. Ding, ding, ding. We don't have a new patron Ooh. sound effect. What what should it be? I feel like it's going to be uh, something fun. Yeah, I don't know. Because we, we already used the, like, the money, the winner, Gagne, and the winner. Yeah, you know the, the sound, uh, Gabriel, when you, you scan a lottery ticket, you get the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... So, whenever Steve or I buy a game on the show, because we were interested in it, we, we play that one. But for a new patron, I'll come up with something. Uh, and I want to thank uh, Javier Aguila for their contribution. And, uh, yeah, hope you enjoy the pod and the sound effect I picked. Um, uh, we've also been plugging for weeks now uh, the Indian Residential School Survivor Society. Please consider contributing to that this week, Steve and Gabriel, for the first time in Canada's history. Uh, Thursday, September 30th will be the day for National uh, Truth and Reconciliation, sort of acknowledging a lot of things that I think a lot of people who've paid attention to the news at all in the past few months are aware of when it comes to Canada's relations with Indigenous people. And the Indian Residential School Survivor Society is an important institution in those efforts consider supporting if you can and steve for your birthday this year you'll be making a donation to the heart and stroke foundation you want to talk about why that's so important to you uh every um yeah so my birthday is also september 30th but uh every year on my birthday i always donate to heart and stroke foundation my dad had a stroke uh 2005 and then died of a few things including a heart attack so he 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 uh, capitalizes, capitalizes, no, he total. he's basically that entire foundation because he's heart and stroke. That's basically the joke I'm trying to make. So in honor of my father. Who- uh, we got a few jobs to plug. CanadianGameDevs.com slash jobs. Jean Leggett, she's still, she's still looking 
part-time producer. I don't think the posting's up yet, but you should follow her Twitter, uh, just also for good tweets, good vibes. Uh, the Archipelago of Design is looking for a game designer. Steve, where are they? I forget. I should know this. Uh, I should also know this. I forget. Uh, Toronto? We'll say Toronto. It's statistically, probably <laughs> Toronto. <laughs> it's one uh, of Toronto, Quebec... Montreal or Vancouver. Yeah, it's it's one. Of, it's in Canada. You should go there. Uh, <laughs> Canadianindustries.com slash jobs. Uh, in a couple events, the uh, Steve, what's the GG Aid Conference? This is new to me. This is one that they emailed me about, but basically it's a... I'm just going to read the thing. So welcome to the... I don't know if it's GG Aid or GGAID. A, a day of conferences and virtual activities organized by the Tech Aid and the Quebec video game industry to raise funds for Centrade of Greater Montreal which collects and invests funds locally to fight poverty and social exclusion. GGAID is a unique opportunity for people in the video game industry to come together, help the community, learn, and above all, to have a positive impact on the lives who need it most. So it's basically going to be a... Oh, I have the wrong... Uh, you put the wrong links. hyperlink in, Steve. I, did, I totally did put the wrong I think it's GGAID, because it's like GG, the game term when you're done a game, and then aid, the thing they're providing. I think that's how mm. we should read that. Yeah, uh, like but that's super cool. Uh, if it's online and open to everyone, uh, yeah, definitely everyone should should get into this. So, so tickets are well. So, the t- so it's on September thirtieth, also my birthday. It's online. Tickets are fifty dollars, and they make a do- uh, equal contribution donation to it. Let's see some of the speakers. We got someone from Bethesda Game Studios, mm-hmm. uh, Motive. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they'll talk about Dead. Dead, uh, Dead Space, Legion Labs, Unity, Gameloft, mm. Montreal, Ubisoft. So it's basically people in the gaming space in Montreal kind of doing talks about you know some of these things. Some, it's a it's you know. a it's a game dev event with the added bonus of everyone's ticket sales helping a good cause. Exactly. That's good. Good. Uh, good. Uh, short notice for everyone listening this week, as it is this Thursday. But uh, yeah, check out kinggamescom slash events again all the links are in the show notes too uh dames making games will be back with their writer circle i don't know if you do a lot of writing for, for your games uh gabriel but dmg uh, has a very useful uh monthly i believe writer circle uh yeah. online over their discord um so you can hang out with people listen talk through creative blocks those kinds of things uh and then so that's happening this thursday as well in the evening and of course game dev atlantic it's coming out end of october We've been plugging it for a while. Uh, another convention, or uh, sorry, like industry talk event, not raising money, as far as I know, for any important cause. So I don't know, Game Dev Atlantic, <laughs> if you want to get on that uh, <laughs> anytime soon. Uh, but no, I went last year and it was fun. I'll you don't have to raise year. money for every single thing you do. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I, I got in a bit of trouble. Not trouble, but um, they were advertising. The, it's put on by the Nova Scotia Interactive Society. Uh, mm-hmm. And they were uh, advertising, uh, looking for like a new head of the thing for recruiting and stuff and i was like is this a volunteer position and they're like yeah and i'm like but you guys are sponsored by like 2k bethesda and ubisoft I'm like oh it's a passion project and i was like mm. i'm very passionate about paying my rent and uh, i know <laughs> there's a bunch of people with billions of dollars uh, attached to this website so but they were like well how much do you make for canadian game devs and i was like all right touche uh <laughs> i'm not bankrolled by ubisoft but i guess there's a space for passion projects uh, wow, I just spent a lot of time shitting on Game Dev Atlantic. It was a very yeah, fun geez. time last year, so <laughs> I'd encourage people to go again. Oh, Steve, people wonder why I can't get a job. Let's talk about the games <laughs> that have come out these past two weeks. Uh, it was a big week. Two weeks, because uh, we, we uh, missed recording last week. Uh, 
coming to us from Redmi Games in Ontario and Halifax, Cube Samurai Run Squared, which is a sequel to Cube Samurai Run, uh, is out this week on Switch. Uh, it's an endless runner. Uh, I, full disclosure, did a little QA testing for this game. Uh, I'd say the interesting thing about this one compared to the first is there's boss fights uh, that sort of punctuate the end of every uh, area of the endless running. Um, and those are pretty cool. Uh, oh, so is Cube Samurai Run on iPhone the like older game and then this yes. is like an updated Switch version? Oh. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So Cube Samurai Run came out in 2013, I believe, on iOS and Android. <laughs> Uh, then Steam in 2015, and now this one is coming to Switch and has previously been on iOS and Android. I'm downloading right now. On the, on oh, wow. I'll play the sound effects. We have a lot of sound effects, Gabriel. One of them is for when we download. Wait, are you, like, buying it right now? No, no, no. I'm just doing... The iOS version's free, so I'm just doing Yeah. Watch uh, watch those ads, Steve. I don't have my Switch on. So. <laughs> Download. Sound effects. Uh, also coming out this week for free, which I didn't anticipate, uh, Get in the Car Loser is the hotly anticipated next game from Christine Love, award-winning game designer based out of Toronto. It's out now on Steam and Itch.io. The first, so like the main game is free, free to download. You can play roll credits, uh, but they are selling a complete edition that comes with uh, the expansion Battle on the Big Boardwalk and the uh, soundtrack uh, for 10 bucks right now, half off until... Usually there's a date on these. I don't see it at the bot. Or no, it's just half off as the bundle. I believe you know how like if you buy things so if you bought <coughs> the big boardwalk expansion separately and the soundtrack separately it'd be 20 but now you get it for 10 together hmm hmm, hmm. uh we've covered this game on wishlist this before uh it's basically a, a lesbian road trip uh styled after you know uh what's this steve like snes jrpgs you know this stuff yeah i would say so yeah um, apparently very funny a uh, bunch of the people I follow on Twitter who, are, who like similar games I like have talked about the, the good writing the good visual gags um, throwing some I guess genre conventions onto their head in a way I guess you could say Undertale did with the uh, the bullet hell classic RPG mechanics um, so I'm very interested in this one I have not had a chance to play it yet but it's free there's no reason not to you know 82 uh, reviews very positive Ooh, ooh, let's find a funny review. Uh, let's hop down here. Sort by funny. The top funny review at the moment is gay. <laughs> five, five of those like paid uh, award things uh, and heavily upvoted. So yeah, if uh, you want a gay RPG, this is the one. Apparently, a uh, couple other games in the past couple of weeks that came out: Hacker Die, uh, which is a great name, a great name for a game. Uh, it sounds like a James Bond movie title. Um, it does. You're basically, uh, it's a 2D platforming game, and you're sort of juggling this, like, it looks like the glowing carbon rod from The Simpsons, but if it was a square. And you're basically uh, juggling this with this character. Uh, you're trying to keep it in the air and use it to, like, uh, 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 there's another game, like an old game that does this kind of thing. It's not like a brick breaker thing, because there's obviously gravity applied to the, the ball, but does this... Uh, oh. Does this remind anyone of another? Oh, Steven, you you young I child, know. you. Of course, it's not. You're this? not juggling. It's a hacky sack. Hacker die. It's a oh, hacky sack. oh, that's so yeah. much better. It's a hacky. Okay, so yeah. you hack the hacky sack or die. Yeah, I mean, I'll exactly. have to admit, I didn't get that one either. Okay, good. Thank you. How, <laughs> how old are you, Gabriel? For the viewers, I'm 27. Okay, okay. I don't feel as bad then. 
did, did they have hacky sacks uh, around the, the school in black and white when you were a kid? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, hacky sacks were definitely a thing. Uh, okay. It was more something that my older stepbrothers played with than me. But it, okay, yeah. so they're. Hacky sacks were big in like grade, when I was in grade five, which was like 1998, 97 time, I believe. Can't can't conceptualize yeah. it. Sorry. Uh, oh my gosh. Right, anyways, <laughs> uh, that's pretty sweet though. It does. It does. It's from Colby Crawford uh, in Vancouver, and uh, it's it's got one re- user review so far. This game exclamation point. My skill and techniques grew as the game progressed. Dope music. What a great review. You know, that's I, ideally when you're playing most, I guess, action based games. My skill and techniques should grow as the game progresses. Nice. Uh, another game ten percent uh, off right now too until until my birthday. My, man, a lot of things are going on on my birthday. Until October is kind of stacked this year. Can we can we just? I think I feel like I'm not the first person to make this observation that obviously COVID fucked up a bunch of development schedules, pushed a bunch of things that we're all going to come out spread out over 2020 and 2021 into like the end of 2021 and the start of 2022. Because I. We'll get to it a bit in some of the release date news, but it's it's stacked and it's a little yeah. scary. As even like, who, yeah, even like early twenty twenty two, like I think uh, Dying Light two and Horizon come out in the same day, and uh, the next um, Saints Row and Elden oh, Ring yeah. and uh, a whole bunch of games that are all coming out within like a month. Yeah. Absurd. But what's out now, and you should get is Plague Breaker from Toronto based uh, Woozy Games. Good name. Uh, we've covered this one on Wishlist this before. It's a roguelike, Steve, with the K, so less inclined for your your sensibilities. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it's launched now in early access with a free demo, fourteen bucks, uh, and they want to be in early access for about six to eight months. Uh, and it's definitely going for uh, probably I don't know, Steve. What's this? Castlevania? Uh, yeah, definitely getting Castlevania vibes. Um, it looks. If I had to guess, it's sort of like Castlevania Three because that's when that was the one where you can pick like multiple characters and stuff. Mm, there's there's uh, some funny s- s- pixel art going on in this game. If you go to the fourth screenshot on the uh, the Steam page, it's like some skeleton in like a Donald Trump suit oh, with yeah. a with a wheel that I assume gives you some sort of bonus when you spin it. Uh, so they definitely appear to be mixing some modern stuff with this fi- high fantasy uh, <coughs> setting, which is cool. So and one I- of the one of the tags is Roguevania. Is that like... Is that's it, a new is, one for me. I've never yeah. heard that before. I assume that's blending roguelike and Castlevania or Metroidvania together. I'm guessing because if I click on that tag, Dead Cells comes up. Huh. Gabriel, have you ever heard the game genre Roguevania before? No, it, to me it sounds like the kind of thing that you get when someone takes uh, Hollow Knight and does like a randomized playthrough of it. Mm. Okay, I can Sounds see that. Sounds like a genre for te hardcores. Yes, and uh, I believe uh, the hardcores would be that audience you want early on to build out your your game over six to eight months of early access based on uh, the hardcores feedback. It's probably a good call. Um, Stephen, please, it's te hardcores. To hardcores. <laughs> uh, to hardcores, check out Plague Breaker on Steam. And the last game we want to plug coming out in the past two weeks is Laser Chess Colon Deflection from Montreal, sorry, Montreal based Core Effect Interactive. Uh, we previously featured this one on Wishlist This as well. And I'm really interested in this one because it's kind of like a, a ch- well, it's in the title. It's Chess with Lasers, is how they're pitching it. 
um, you sort of move and rotate different pieces that are like mirrors or like laser starting points or endpoints. It's a laser puzzle, which people would be familiar with in a competitive chess setting. So um, you can sort of set up your laser to like hit enemy pieces and like deal damage. And I believe you're just trying to do these sort of laser puzzles on a chessboard to hurt the opponent's uh, different pe- different pieces they're trying to protect. Great pitch. Um, looks very pretty. It's got like the bright red and blues, like uh, Beat Saber um, on a black background. Very striking. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we think? Some of these, uh, some of these funny reviews are like the topper funny reviews. Not a bad result for an indie developer. To be honest, I thought it'd be worse. Uh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, as far as things gamers have said about indie developers, that's that's not that bad. But the next little, one is condescending. The next one is gameplay 10 out of 10, graphics 7 out of 10, soundtrack 8 out of 10, variety 9 out of 10, no bugs and problems, 9 out of 10. Why is it a 10 out of 10? Yeah, wait, wait. (laughs) If you release a piece of software with no bugs and problems, (laughs) come on. What do you think, Gabriel? Yeah, I love the the striking neon aesthetic. And I also, I've played these sort of like laser puzzle games before. And uh, I like the fact that there's even a opportunity to create your own levels with an in-game editor that looks like um, quite comprehensive. So I'd Mm. love to see what people end up building out. Me too. Me too. Laser deflection. Mm. No, laser chest colon deflection. It's out now on Steam. That's all the releases for the past few weeks. Uh, Steve, where do we put these? CanadianGameDevs.com slash features <laughs> to check out our weekly roundups uh, of all the... all uh, Presumably, let's say all the Canadian games Steve and I could find with our pretty comprehensive Twitter following slash searching feature... <laughs> released in the past two weeks we, we and honestly if we miss one just tell us like please it's not tell like, us we'll add it to, we, to it wasn't out of honest, malice it was out of sheer ignorance and doing other things <laughs> to be honest i when i did this last week it was get in the car and hack or die and i was like cool post and then the next tweet i saw up was like red meat games being like cube samurai run squared is out i'm like shit <laughs> damn it uh Dude, good yeah, stuff like see what works for them we got some news and announcements Related to Canadian games, I'd like to discuss with both of you. The first, coming at us from Vancouver, BC, a game I'm very excited for. You could say it's one of my most anticipated games of the year. Inscription, with a Y, instead of the first, second I, launches October 19th on PC. Uh, Three years, three days after the launch of The Hex. Um, The first, or no, second game by Daniel Mullins. Uh, I believe like a mostly solo developer from Vancouver. Uh, it's being published by Devolver, but as a true hipster, I was following it before Devolver picked it up. <laughs> I'm very excited about this one. Uh, I would describe it... Let me let me read the uh, Steam page to see how they describe it, because I think there's a better pitch. They say, Inscription is an inky black card-based odyssey that blends deck-building roguelike with escape room-style puzzles and psychological horror into a blood-laced smoothie. Actually, wait, that's a that's an amazing description. No, I, yeah, that was that's the perfect description. I love uh, escape room style puzzles, and I, I've still like been thinking about the uh, the dollhouse basement from Resident Evil Village earlier this year. It's one of my favorite levels in a game, like in a, in, in several years. Uh, and basically, from what I can tell, uh, Inscription sort of takes place in one room. Uh, there's a table you can sit at with your deck of cards, and and different creatures or entities will sit at the other end and sort of do battle with you using your your cards that you're building and drawing uh and then you sort of stand up from the table and go around this room and sort of do different environmental escape room style puzzles as as the games 
uh, story is progressing behind you. I assume there's going to be some sort of time restriction on this. I don't know. There is a demo that actually just went live, so I'll be checking it out for more impressions next week. But uh, yeah, super excited about this one. Glad it has a release date. Uh, what do you two think? Oh, so it's a card game. Because I remember this one. You're like actually like looking at the cards instead mm-hmm. of them just kind of being on the menu or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, your, your deck building, to be specific, you'll be you'll be changing out these cards over time and, and using, uh, I believe there's different like combinations of cards and synergies. All the nerds love synergies. It does look pretty sweet. I don't know if it's really the type of thing for me. I mean, you know, roguelike. I'm not also not big in card games typically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm kind of interested when it when they leave the table and walk around the room and stuff like that. I'm kind mm-hmm. of... That's the, that's I'm kind of feeling that too. So. The interesting thing about a rogue escape room style game is that once you've played an escape room, you can't play it again. You you just know all the answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you you can play that first level of or that level in Resident Evil Village and get the same experience. So how do they incorporate puzzles that are usually like find four numbers and put into a lock? It's traditionally escape room puzzles and make those replayable in a roguelike. Interesting. Yeah. In that. Uh, they also appears to be blending, like, if you look at the last couple seconds of the last trailer, it, it jumps, like, six different art styles from, like, 2D pixel art to first-person, like, Blair Witch found footage film uh, in, like, a very short amount of time. So I, I, want, I bet they're going to get freaky with it, and I want them to get freaky with it. What do you think, Gabe? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really interesting blend of genres. It's not something that I would have immediately... Um, suspected as being a good blend but uh mm. yeah i think it's it's interesting to and anytime you take two genres it's like i never really thought those would have gone together like it's mm-hmm. uh i'm i'm assuming that this is past the prototype phase and there is a good uh synthesis to be found here so i'd love to see what mm. they do with it me too me too check out the demo free on steam coming out october 19th uh, another announcement from vancouver recently Eichenfell is getting a physical release from limited run uh the art looks super hot big fan uh, this was a humble original published game, like a short hike. Uh, came out. Was that was that this year, Steve? Was this year Eichenfell? Stop. No, I, no, it was I feel like year. it was a year ago. It was like- uh, yeah, it was August 2020. Okay, phew. Uh, which I think is still <laughs> on Game Pass. Uh, but yeah, you can get both of them together for 70 US, or you can get them individually. Uh, the price is actually. Oh, individually, they're sold out already. This might be useless news to everyone listening. Oh, no, 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 sorry. So the PS4 one is 35 US, uh, and the Switch one is the one that might be sold out. But it's probably like 5 or 10 bucks more. I love physical copies of games. And Steve, I know you're, you're getting into that. You're, you're, you're being sucked into that with I me. know. You know, just, to, just today, I was looking at my PS5 collection, and I was like, yo, look, like, it's kind of nice and growing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I had already traded in Miles Morales and uh, Sackboy. And I was like, oh, mm. I, wish I, didn't, I wish I knew. I wish I didn't no. do that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I still haven't played this, though. Because it's like a, it's like JRPG Mario, Paper Mario, isn't it? Like time Yes. Play? Yeah. It, it's uh, uh, pic- pixel art. Um, kind of going for like an Undertale vibe in terms of like the mm-hmm. 100 song soundtrack. Uh, and a cast of quirky characters. I've heard <laughs> it described... Um, by people on Twitter as uh, kind of like a modern day Harry Potter if the person who made it wasn't terrible and knew how to make games. And oh, so it's boy. got this cast of teens in a, in a magical <laughs> school setting who are all learning a bit about themselves. Um, it's very, uh, uh, a lot of different, you know, orientations and, and creeds and 
races represented in this cast and that actually does fe- fe- factor in to um how they develop how they interact with each other uh, apparently it's a very thoughtful game uh, but yeah i still also haven't played it uh do you have any thoughts on Eichenfell, Gabe, or physical game physical versions of indie games yeah you know i i, I love the fact that I think there's this incredible nostalgia for the physical release. You know, there's nothing quite like holding something in your hands and just thinking like, wow, uh, especially if it's something that you made, right? It's like, wow, this is this is a thing that I, that I took out of my head and I put it, you know, I, I gave it life and then someone fed it through a machine and now here's this boxed copy of this thing that was originally an idea that I'm now holding in my hands. Like that's gotta be a particularly magical experience for the developers, but in terms of physical in general, like, I don't know. I think there's an interesting push to making things more digital and there's certainly the convenience factor of having a large library accessible, but I don't know. I I definitely love the idea of being able to pop a cartridge out of my Switch and trade it over to my sister so she can try, you know, one of the games that I've really been enjoying. And that's just way, way easier to do with a physical game than it's ever going to be with digital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's something you, you mentioned seeing a developer, a developer's feeling. There's a really great video of the the Curved Space team. Uh, they're from Edmonton, getting physical copies of their their game and unboxing it. And that was a really, really genuine, really good video. Everyone should check that out. Um, but yeah, as 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 uh, far as why I personally love having physical copies, it's, it's for what you said. I have a copy of Firewatch for PS4 that I've lent to like 20 people. And I'm like, hey, you should play Firewatch. And they're like, oh, it's an indie game. I don't know, 30 bucks. I don't know. And I was like, here you go. Here's Firewatch. Please play it. And they play it. And they're like, oh, yeah, that, that, that was pretty great. And then that's like, I don't know, because you could argue that's not a sale for the game. I would argue they weren't going to buy it anyway. Uh, and yeah, I just, I, I buy a lot of indie physical games because I want people to play more indie games. A lot of my friends, you know, they buy Call of Duty every year and, you know, have a, maybe a Game Pass subscription that they play the Microsoft games on but as far as indie games aren't really getting into that um so yeah that's a big appeal for me i would love to lend i can to somebody i haven't played it yet though maybe i hate it uh but i think it is still on game pass you should, you should at least like play it on game pass first before you mm-hmm. drop 70 dollars on it that's true and i did find the the switch one switch ps4 and both <laughs> bundle are still in stock all the individually 35 each so that's new because usually they have like the switch tax for the cart so the switch version is usually more but these are both 35 us and the bundle oh, is, is it, 70. Oh, is, is the Mega Bundle $70 for both versions? Yes. Uh, individually, oh. you can get them for $35. Uh, <coughs> okay, that's a little... Because I, I wish listed on PS4. You mm-hmm. can play the sound if you want. And it was only I'll like $25. And I was like, ooh, that's a steep steep uh, up cost or whatever. Markup? Markup, yeah. And I understand, you know, physical games, et cetera, et cetera. But that makes more sense if you're getting two copies or whatever. Mm-hmm. <coughs> uh, yeah, big fan of physical games. And my, maybe I can fill. Stay tuned. Uh, last bit of news coming to ask from who put Vancouver colon VC? Steve, was that you? Oh, that must have been. Come on, Steve. <laughs> Vancouver BC. Uh, Hinterlands Games is finally releasing episode four of The Long Dark. How long has this <laughs> game been releasing episodes? It, this must be the longest gap in between episodes of an episodic game. Probably, because I feel history. like. I. Because I first played this game when when episode three came out, and that was bef- well before the PS5, so like more than a year. Let's see if I can. My aunt messaged me in like end of high school, early university, and was like, "Hey, I just started <laughs> playing this new game on early access, The Long Dark. It's kind of cool." 
and that was the first time I saw it. And they're they're just on episode four, and that was like almost six years ago. So oh man, episode three was was twenty nineteen September twenty nineteen. That's two years in between episodes. Those aren't episodes. <laughs> Those are that's the next installment in the long dark. That's, that's that being, what that, that is. being said. They do update the game quite a bit, right? We've talked about like all the different mm-hmm. events and stuff they've done. I guess I guess they just like look at their player base and they're like, they want they they like the rogue like part of it more than the story part. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, we'll just take our time with this. Makes sense, and they are to be fair, Hinchlands. As far as like putting a plan out on their website and you know detailed patch notes, a uh, great community management, um, and yeah, I guess they'll just keep it. What what like. When it's done, and I, I assume it's five episodes, or whenever the last episode comes out, then then you get to do the big complete edition on like Walmart and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any experience with the Long Dark, Gabriel? I remember seeing a let's play of it, uh, probably early on. So within its first episode release, I didn't even know it was episodic. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to say, it's kind of funny to me to think about the, you know, the promise of the episodic release and how it feels like more often than not, the, it, it never ends up working out the way maybe developers are originally hoping. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Can you think of a an episodic game that has actually managed to keep with the model of new episode comes out every you know, X months, every X years as we originally intended. I mean, not since I like, I was there for like walking dead season one. And those were like, what was that? Like three to four months between episodes, maybe a little bit longer. And those, yeah. those, those felt more consistent. And those, cause the appeal for the epi- episodic release, I think is sustained interest over time where if you put it all out at once, and it's the binge effect. Everyone sort of moves on by the next week. But I remember it was hashtag do it for Clem was on Twitter like that whole year. Uh, everyone was talking about The Walking Dead for the whole year. And that, that was, I think, the goal. But with The Long Dark, where it's two years between some of these episodes, uh, at this point, it's, it's for, the, for the love of it, you know? Yeah, I guess the difference is that for the walking dead it's like you just do the episode and then like an hour and a half later you're done with the game and then you just put it down and and then you pick it up again in like three or four months or whatever for the mm-hmm. next episode but for long dark like when you finish the episode they're pretty beefy as well like it takes like four or five hours and then yeah yeah to be fair the, done these are these are like i think <clears throat> episode three was like a six hour runtime on yeah. how long to beat and then and then when you're done with it, there is like the main mode, which is a survival roguelike basically. That so that has been like, worked on since like twenty fifteen. So like it's yeah. it's good. So it's not like you're done with the game when you're done the episode. Like there's a lot of different things you can do. And I think I guess that's the difference between like I wonder if they really anticipated to go like you know, eight years <laughs> making these episodes or if they if they're just like, Oh, our fans are actually bigger players on the on the like survival part of it mm. not really the story so we can just take our time like i wonder if that's kind of it and yeah i don't know how many episodes are planned i'm guessing like i'm, I'm I, I just guess it's episode five would be the last one and then they can do the big release. like at this point now they you'd probably want like to get like a ps5 and next gen version going that's true well, that's right? true and and honestly by the time if it's another two years for episode five you're coming up on like a decade of the long dark and yeah. at what point is it time to move on to the long dark too? Cause there's only so much you can do with this world you've built and these systems before you are making a new game. I don't know. It's interesting. Oh. 
I'll be, uh, I think they're free as well. Like the episode yes, once you free. buy it, you get the episodes updated for mm. free. So I might, uh, when I saw this story, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll go read Because you played, you I, dabbled on PS4, but it's those incredibly long load times on console. Oh, yeah, you, the load times. When you open brutal. a door, it's like Skyrim level load times are longer. Yeah. It was brutal. Um, and I remember, like, us talking, like, yo, I can't wait for, like, next gen. Cause of, faster SSDs. We'll faster. Yeah, so. Maybe I'll read. Actually, you know what? I will re-download this. A download effects in the same episode. Damn. Sound effects. I can do that. Lots of sounds today coming coming into your ear holes. Put that down. All right, Steve. Let's hop over to Quebec if we have to and talk about some Canadian news. Uh, we're going to talk about Amazon. Um, Amazon has been rather bad at game development since they've started up the venture uh several games released and canned within a few months um they have this new world game coming out that's breaking the rtx 390s or whatever uh but is generally received probably the most positive preview coverage of any amazon game and there's a new studio it's coming to canada and it's opening in montreal they have recently tapped alexandra perizzo as the head of the studio uh, 20 years of experience in the gaming industry, most recently at Ubisoft Toronto. Gross, uh, as well as a senior producer on the Splinter Cell games in Rainbow Six Vegas. Those are well-liked games. Uh, they will lead development of the studio's first project. Oh, I should clarify. I said gross because for those past 20 years, uh, and especially the past couple of years at Ubisoft Toronto, there appears to be a giant top-down sexual abuser assault covering up shuffling around scandal akin to i don't know the catholic church that just went ongoing and people know our stances on ubisoft and such going forward now getting to a high point at that company during that time you know you gotta <laughs> you gotta be okay with some stuff and you gotta let some stuff go that you probably shouldn't have uh so perizzo was there for that uh, but he's taking over for amazon games in montreal uh there's no news on what the studio's game is uh new world is coming out september 28th wow that's that's two days from now. that's two days from now is it really coming out? uh yep it's a an open world mmo um but that is not of course what the amazon team is working on um yeah don't worry guys this one only bricks 3070s yeah yeah if you got a 390 <laughs> you're fine uh they said that the the studio will be focused on quote creating original triple a games so yeah, we'll we'll circle back to Amazon and probably New World if it survives more than three months. Uh, is this New World coming out for any? Like, is it just PC or? I bl- I would assume not a lot of people try to put MMOs on console, uh, but I would assume PC to start at least initially. It's very <laughs> funny watching all these massive billion-dollar companies like Google and Amazon, uh, and, and uh, well, I guess Twitch is also Amazon, uh, trying to get into game development and just just fumbling extremely hard um and yeah we'll uh, we'll see if they can keep this up uh color me cautiously pessimistic <laughs> uh but yeah what do you guys think do you think it's just to do with like a really high level of corporate meddling like a little too much money and uh, a little too much concern with roi it appears so, and from the Bloomberg rep- report we had on the troubled development of uh, Cruce- Crucible, was there other one? No. Whatever the last Amazon one that came out that shut down was, uh, they, they had hired the right people, people responsible for successful AAA games like uh, this new hire, but uh, 
just wouldn't listen to them. Like they would, the person they hired to lead this team would come back with like, this is what we got to do. And they would get just vetoed and a new plan. And, and so it appears that they were hiring the right people and just the right people to make super successful AAA games. Cause that's their goal and just not listening to them. Um, so we'll see if they learn from that. Um, a bunch of those people heading those previous failed developments, obviously just left Amazon and are now doing other things. So that appears to be the lesson they can't learn is to hire people who lead AAA successfully and listen to them. So yeah, we'll see if they can do it this time. Speaking of uh, Ubisoft on this podcast, twice in one week, which doesn't happen very often, a new studio, Nesting Games, good name, uh, is based in Quebec City, Quebec, uh, co-owned by Italian publisher Digital Bros, uh, not a very good name, uh, officially established in august but they just made the announcement this past week quote we want to go back to creating rpgs that are focused on immersion great characters powerful storytelling and strong gameplay typical boilerplate pr stuff but but steven gabriel uh nesting co cco jordan thibost uh followed that up with quote we are moving away from the quote massive open world end quote model full of icons to clean up and returning to experiences that are content driven and ultimately respect the player's time hmm hmm. what is something steve i say often the first time i open up a triple a game and look at the mini map of, of chores to do I don't feel often my time is respected by a lot of these games. And it's very interesting to hear that language verbatim in the, the like mission statement for the, the CEO of a new studio with probably getting a bunch of investment funding. I mean, their press release shows that sort of a rather big office in Quebec City. Uh, mm-hmm. Continuing the quote, whether you play our games for 30 minutes or a two hour session, what you will get is always interesting and gratifying. That's a huge claim because what some players find interesting, gratifying and others don't obviously ranges wildly. But honestly, it's a if they were trying to sell me on like a bunch of Ubisoft French bros who leave and start a new studio and want me to get excited about their game. Some good words, some good words. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, these new studio openings is always like it's just like whatever we want to see your game for like four or five years mm-hmm. um it is funny that he just like poo poos on ubisoft yes like, no right? no straight up the, the the way they chose to say uh massive open worlds in square scare quotes full of icons to clean up like that is so specifically targeted at ubisoft yeah especially these latest assassin i didn't play uh Valhalla, but especially odyssey and origins where mm-hmm. it's just like i platinum nor i platinum both of those games actually and i still have like thousands of quests to do so mm-hmm. Um, and like icons and shit to clean up, but um, yeah, I mean, whatever. We won't. I we won't see this stuff for a long, long time. I guess we should add them to the studio list. But the uh, Thibo was the game design lead game designer on Assassin's Creed Syndicate and Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, as well as Sebastian Brissard, a lead designer on Prince of Persia and Splinter Cell, and. James Mittag, who is a narrative director on Valhalla and Immortals Phoenix Rising. So it looks like a bunch of top Ubisoft talent just sort of split off and is now making this game. Uh, what do you think, Gabriel? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I completely agree with Steve's point about, like, you know, let's let, let's see what the game that they make actually has to say for itself. You know, it's, I think it, you know, on the one hand, they have, they sort of came out swinging here, but on the other hand, I feel like they sort of had to distinguish themselves. Like, 
you know, if this is in fact their mission statement, they got to make it clear from day one that, hey, you know, just because we are a lot of ex-Ubisoft talent, don't expect us to just be creating, you know, carbon copy Ubisoft experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm. The funny thing is, like, I actually do kind of <laughs> enjoy that stuff to a yeah. certain extent. Certainly not as much now with having a kid because I just look at it and I'm like, like, like I have time for this shit. Um, but, uh, I mean... To me, it was, it was it also wasn't really a bad thing. It was always like the setting and stuff was like super like was the best part of mm. all those games. But I get what they're saying. Like the the checklist stuff got way out of hand for Assassin's Creed, and and now it's just like, well, we'll see what your game looks like in four years with with how things going. Like maybe you will have something like some sort of like equivalent uh in four years time or whatever whatever that's the thing it takes four years on on the scale of a ubisoft to make something like assassin's creed i think and we've seen other studios on like a a one or two year development time you can make a really polished and especially if they have what looks like a lot of venture capitalist funding to staff up and a lot of people who are good at their job you like within one to maybe three years a, a mid thirty to forty dollar polished uh, RPG. Um, you could to- I could totally see something like that. Uh, That's true. I want to highlight to Nesting Games said on their website, along with all of these uh, nice sounding goals, uh, that they want to impart workers with a strong sense of inclusivity and collaboration. They offer full and partial remote work to anyone on staff. Uh, they offer full uh, in-office daycare services, as well as permanent Fridays off every summer. Um, a lot of these are pretty bog standard, um, like Ubisoft Toronto did uh, summer Fridays this past year, and a lot of them offer in-office in daycare. Uh, but full and partial remote work is good, and I don't know. We, in the past, have seen companies come out with these nice-sounding inclusivity and collaboration and then a bunch of allegations come out a year after development that sort of undercut all that so again we, we really just need to see the game and need to hear from people who work at this studio before you can say anything but putting it out there that that's something they care about uh means that they're willing and ready and will be held to a standard i think mm-hmm. anyway it's interesting uh news we will circle back on in one to six years or if it never comes out and they close that's yeah that'll episode, be the news uh, uh, next time we talk episode, about them episode 280 or so let's episode 280 out. yeah let's see 280 that's <laughs> it for the news and the announcements now it's time for everyone's favorite segment i don't know if this is true i thought about doing like a listener survey steve because another podcast I listened to did one to get people's feels for like what is your actual favorite segment like what do you come this to this like, this is the least favorite segment because <laughs> people people keep listening to this podcast and it always blows my mind when someone's like hey Love the podcast. Love what you're doing. I'm like, what specifically? So maybe I'll put out a little survey to see what people want. Uh, but we're going to do wish put in a, Put in a fake segment, too. To see if they're a real fan. And anyone who picks yeah. that fan, we immediately go to their house and delete our podcast off their phone. And or just, like, throw their phone against the wall or something. Just, uh, no. No more CanadianUniverse.com podcast for you. Every week, if you didn't know, Gabriel, I pick three upcoming Canadian-developed games that Steve has to add to his wish list or follow the devs. We've, we've bent the rules a bit in the past right now. Uh, inspired by Brett, former co-host, uh, rest in peace, uh, not actually dead. Uh, he would frequently wish list things while we would talk about them. And I was like, hey, let's make this a segment. Because we are all, you and I, Gabriel, more so as full-time game developers, Steve as a, as a player, 
uh, beholden to the algorithm that determines which games come in front of our eyes. And uh, a factor in that algorithm's processing is how many wishlists it has. So let's get some more wishlists for Canadian games. Starting today with Human Apocalypse from Euphoric Brothers. Mwah, great studio name in Ottawa, Ontario. It's coming out 2021 and then they included like a cell emoji, uh, which, which will make sense in a sec. You can wishlist it on Steam. Quote, a new virus is turning people into brain-eating machines, etc. You know the rest. A cure has been found, and all the infected people are now normal humans again. What's the problem, then? Their skin color is still green. Play as an ex-zombie. Steve and I did this, and you might have seen the demo at GameSlice. Uh, we did this on our GameSlice stream, which is now up video on demand on our YouTube. I'll put a link in the show notes. And we were both very surprised by, by what a silly, fun, and great premise for, for a game this is especially releasing in 2021 the idea is basically like a zombie apocalypse happens a bunch of people uh die a bunch more get cured and everyone who survived but turned is now green uh and how does society sort of rebuild itself after that when now there's this like <laughs> I, I made a joke on the stream it was like we've just created a new way to be racist as a result of this uh <laughs> pandemic and uh there's so many ways to draw parallels obviously with covid and whether you choose to get a vaccine or not so many ways you could take this story in really interesting ways uh and and the the demo was was well written i liked and laughed at several lines mm -hmm. uh there's a pet turtle very well done and the pixel art i had a i had trouble describing that i i saw a, a text box uh when you're talking to the doctor it it looks like pixel art but it looks like if it was hand drawn <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It's like in a short hike how it's pixel art, but someone just like moved the fuzzy slider to the right, like 80%. Uh, do you have any insight uh, into that, Gabriel? I don't know. If I mean, it's it looks to me like there's a, a very significant amount of like grunge filtering over top of the artwork in the game. Mm. Obviously, there, there's some sort of post-processing, like a some sort of shader that's responsible for just taking the underlying visuals and you know, putting it through a few layers to achieve this, you know, whatever specific look the developers were looking, were going for. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you, what do you think of, of the pitch and the, the page? I think it's interesting. Like the, uh, you know, I'm certainly, I, I think that there's always an opportunity to present things in allegory. And, you know, on the one hand, I think that sometimes stories are almost a little too subtle and other times stories are a little too overt, but if what you mm. played of it gives you a good impression, then, uh, that's what really matters. Yeah, we played about uh, 40 minutes um, uh, of the demo. Uh, and yeah, I totally... Uh, what's that David Lynch quote where he's like, I know some writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. <laughs> and uh, I think about that a lot. I don't know if that's David Lynch. But uh, I think about that quote a lot. And, you know, straight up, if you want to do COVID but with zombies, I'm here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang out and I'll see, I'll see how it lands. You're obviously setting yourself up... Uh, to make a very challenging oh wow this trailer is great uh challenging uh story to land and, and and resonate with people who often had to live through what you're analogizing and maybe stricter on it if it was a situation that they couldn't sort of relate to as closely uh but yeah i'm, I'm really interested in the pitch the demo and seeing more what do you what do you think steve we talked about a bit of course during our stream yeah um no i agree with everything 
you said i remember like when we played the demo i don't think we read the description so when when you played it, it's like it's a zombie game and then it's cure and then we found out what the real story is and we're yeah like, oh, yeah that's you can cool. watch <laughs> us in real time hear all of this through like the game's like opening scrawl and uh uh, we were both unprepared for that because, like, the game, the demo opens. You crunch a, a woman as a zombie, and I'm like, "Oh no, we're playing as a zombie. That's not good." And then it cuts to two years later, the cure's been found, and we're the same guy. And I'm like, "Wait, so are we gonna have to deal with like, was what we did while we were a zombie something that we should be held accountable for?" And like, so many things can happen with this premise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I have but, to um, ask. I'm excited for it. Good. Uh, were, you, were you gonna add something? I was ready to launch into. No, no, no. Do you, do you think? Do you do the thing? The thing is, I ask: Is Human Apocalypse from Euphoric Brothers in Ottawa, Ontario, on your Steam wish list? Yes, it is. And you, Gabriel? Yeah, it is now. Perfect. Uh, next game today that I want to talk to you about on wish list this. Next game today on wish list this is the Crimson Diamond from Julia Minamata in Ontario. This game, Steve, has been on wish list this in the past, but. Uh, we realized after recording what the second one was twice that both those games are now no longer on Steam and they don't want us to draw attention to it. So we pulled out, uh, we called an audible, pulled out one from the, the, the backlog. Uh, that is still not out yet. Um, the planned release date is when it's ready, as it should be. Uh, quote, follow amateur geologist and reluctant detective Nancy Maple to the ghost town of Crimson, Ontario to investigate the discovery of a massive diamond in this retro-inspired EGA text parser mystery adventure. EGA. I have asked multiple times what that is from multiple people, including the person who made this game, and I forget yeah, what EGA Yeah, they told is. us, and now I forgot. <laughs> I feel like an for idiot. Enhanced Graphics Adapter, just reading off Wikipedia, it's an IBM PC graphics adapter, so I'm guessing yeah, that that's the color palette yeah. we're looking at interesting so this is obviously harkening back to what is it like like early like mac adventure games i guess like kind of i think so yeah uh not nancy drew but like even even earlier than nancy drew like like early um mostly oh, going off monkey of memory, island but and stuff yeah i'm going off of memory but it, it reminds me of the like the games that i used to play on like my old like 286 386 computer like in the early 90s like mm-hmm. i had a billy the kid one i had um I think I had a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one. Adventure I, game? I, yeah, I think find, so. Find the pizza? <laughs> I definitely had a Billy the Kid one. I remember that one. That was sweet. There was like a Police Force one that I played. There was, you know, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis is like a famous mm, one. Mm, okay, I've actually played player. that one. So if that's yeah. what they're kind of going for, I got, I got a feel for that. Do you, do you have a history with these kind of games, Gabriel? No, these are definitely uh, 1986 Sierra's King's Quest 3 was the earliest PC game to use this particular graphics um, model. So I think Mon- Monkey Island might have been a little later than this, actually. But huh. um, yeah, this definitely even... that like super limited palette. This isn't quite CGA, which is just like four colors or three colors, but uh, slightly better. I always, find it, than that. I always find it interesting when developers put such a harsh uh, uh, limitation on themselves because it really uh, and, and I've seen this in, in other different fields like in, in animation when when you put rules and, and like a really harsh or strict uh, limits on, on what you can do like this many colors has to be or playable on this uh, t- type of hardware I find it tends to force developers to be more creative and to find uh, different things within that framework that haven't been done before so so putting those limits on yourself is, is really interesting uh and um yeah we have actually 
talked to Julia Minamata before in an unpublished <laughs> interview. It was really interesting hearing her path to this because uh, she mentioned playing all these kinds of games as a kid. And then it's one of those uh, developer stories you'll hear where like, I, I grew up, uh, no one was making these kinds of games anymore. I like these kinds of games, so I'm going to make one. And, and I love that. Um, what, what do we think of the Crimson Diamond? Yeah, it's it's similar like similar for me where I remember playing these type of games. I, there's a demo too, and I remember I played the demo um, the first time we talked about this. And it's because the, the the common criticism for these games is always like, "How the fuck am I supposed to know that the fish mouth has to be opened with the key, which then gets you like a screwdriver, which then you use to like reach to get a hammer on top of the fridge, which then opens up the stupid random like." It's always that stuff, and mm. the demo didn't have have that, which which was good. Like it made sense, and the story was like pretty interesting. Um, so there is a demo too, as well, which which right. I think is a good call for these type of games, where it's like, oh yeah, I remember playing this thirty years ago. I wonder if it's still like good and and whatnot. And you know, I think these games are driven by story. So if you if you have a good story, then I think you'll have a good game. And, uh, it's it's like interesting. Remembering the interview we did, and I, I learned one of the ways that she playtests this game is every word people type in, because as a text parser, there's like a bar at the bottom, so you type in like, look, or yeah. uh, cook, or whatever. Or get ye flask. Yeah, exactly. And so what she did is set up, uh, it catalogs every word someone types in there, and then she looks at the words people are most typing in, and if there's not something to address that, like if, if it doesn't if it spits out the standard that didn't do anything uh she will then figure out a way to to respond to that thing people are trying to do in a way that sort of steers them in the right direction which is such a genius way to play test these kind of games that i'm sure it maybe is standard uh in in well i guess they wouldn't even had the ability to set that up making these old games in the 80s but yeah, as like a modern yeah. <laughs> tool set to play test these games that's so smart like you look it's like uh I'm going to make a weird analogy. It's like there was this school in the States that before they put down sidewalks, they just let students walk everywhere for a semester. And then they looked where the, the, the grass was like just worn down to dirt. And then that's where they put the sidewalks in because players will, and, and people walking places will, will find the most direct route that makes sense to them. Mm -hmm. And then you design for that. So if everyone in the library in Crimson Diamond is, is typing in lift, lift bookshelf or something, you got, then you got to figure out how to incorporate that into that in a way that doesn't just spit them out the standard that didn't do anything, which is how people get frustrated with these games so fast. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, I like it. I gotta ask, is the Crimson Diamond from Julia Minamata in Ontario on both of your Steam wish lists? Yep, once again, is now. Perfect. I'm following her. I'm following the game now, too, because that's what we do on the double dips. For I'm already wishless now, I'll be like, okay, I'll follow you. I don't know what it is, does. She does a really good... She has a Patreon and, and does very good um, uh, developer updates, streams, uh, um, and also has a, has a really passion for patchwork like quilting and stuff, so she'll make game art on like blankets and stuff that is from mm. the crimson it's cool it's really cool uh good stuff last game today on wish list this gabriel you might have heard of it worlds within <laughs> worlds by bluish green games in toronto ontario you can follow them on itch.io you can try the demo now in your browser quote collect golden leaves to restore trees in this retro platformer play solo or have a second player join as the butterfly to lend a helping hand steve and i both played the demo 
I'm quite impressed. Uh, I really like the foundation mm. you built here, uh, and and just scrolling through the comments, not alone. Um, Steve, what did you think of the demo, Worlds Within Worlds? I thought it controlled really well. I thought the like I thought like the the premise was like cool, where you're collecting these leaves and then can kind of go in and out if you want. Because there was one point where I was stuck and and didn't realize that I had to use like the butterfly or the bird or whatever to to kind of create that bubble for me. Um, and I thought the, like, I don't know, what do you call them? Like the portals or whatever, like that's always kind of cool too. Um, yeah, I thought it controlled really well. Like I thought it was, it's just definitely a solid platformer. I'm very excited. I, I love the squishiness of the character. Like when, when you bump against the wall, the character like squishes into the wall. Uh, mm. and that's, that's some like visual information that a lot of games don't telegraph in terms of like, uh, the bit the the squishiness implies some bounce so just in that uh in that addition you you give players the hint that like oh now you want to try and like launch off the wall you want to push off the wall and just that that simple thing that most people won't notice uh just little things like that build up to make the whole experience better and more intuitive and we were joking we were playing a demo for a game fiend tower where i for 20 minutes probably couldn't figure out how to jump down uh like you know when there's like a like terrain and then like a flat platform in a lot of 2d platforming games it, there's every game has a different way you jump down and i got to that and i was like Ugh, another one of these and then the screen was just like hold down and press space and i was like wow it, what in a game a couple days ago took me 20 minutes to figure out right there from the start and i think that type of frictionless uh tutorialization and, and design and thoughtfulness is really cool uh not to just blow a whole bunch of smoke up your ass but how did you find the reception <laughs> to worlds within worlds uh, at game slice and so far in development you know what it's it's been really great and thank you both so much for your kind feedback and for taking the time to play through it um i do want to mention the addition of the butterfly like if it's been in the game since the beginning and you mm-hmm. never need to use it except for the demo i was like oh i really want people to actually try this out and maybe have an opportunity to you know call someone in to play together so Mm -hmm. i modified the first actual level of the game to add in the segment where it is mandatory to use the butterfly and of course i did the thing which i knew i shouldn't have which was to put text on the screen which most people just don't read because Mm. most of the time you can't count on people to just read ambient text that's on the screen unless there's something specifically drawing their focus to it Mm -hmm. So that's definitely my bad in terms of the tutorialization, where otherwise, you know, as you were very kindly saying, most of the time I'd like to think that I get the tutorialization right. Um, But the whole reason that the butterfly exists in the game is to basically create a way that uh, people of different levels of game literacy can play together. Mm. Or, of course, you can use it to modify your own game experience. If there's just one little hazard in the game making things a little difficult, well, just freeze it, and then it doesn't hurt you. Um, Or if there is, you know, the way I like to think about it is, uh, you know, a parent wants to play with a young kid. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the the young kid isn't necessarily able to control the character, but maybe the kid can help with the butterfly and they feel like, oh, I'm I'm helping dad play through the game. Um, A a step up from the unplugged controller. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. (laughs) This was all inspired by Mario Galaxy's co-star mode. So I was just about to ask. Yep. (laughs) Okay, good. So uh, it's inspired by, like, because you could point the reticle at the screen and sort of collect the, the stardust pieces and, like, send them at enemies to stun them. Um, so you sort of like sort of captured that in the, like a 2d platforming experience. 
Yep, exactly. And I, I made it even more potent uh, than the Mario Galaxy because I wanted to push it to the full extreme of like, this is going to be something that completely neutralizes a challenge. You know, you can mm. you can step in fire if the bubble if the butterfly is creating its bubble. Um, I should call it a bubble fly. Um, That's but, good. That's good. <laughs> it was kind of a misspeak on my part, but I think it's uh, fun sounding. No, bubble um, fly is great. I, I, I ship it. <laughs> Steve, do you ship bubble, bubble fly? I do good i'll have to make note of that um but yeah so the i can actually pull open the feedback and the the funny thing to me is that two people thought the demo was just the the title screen that they didn't realize that you had to collect the leaves and go through the tree wow and it's like oh that's a real shame and then subsequently they i I have questions on my forum saying like oh what did you think of the variety of the game and they say like no variety was terrible there was only like two minutes of gameplay what the heck <laughs> it's like, ah, i think because okay, you so... i think because you loop that first like tutorial level right because you go yes. all the way right and then you're back at the very start and uh i think it's like a little bit of that where it's like oh that was you know that's the, that's the demo yeah yeah and it's definitely me having a little bit of fun with the the screen wrapping because the the main reason that the game has these fixed screens and doesn't um have a moving camera is because Moving cameras in games have actually been responsible for giving me a lot of motion sickness recently. Mm. So I have camera shake in this game, but once again, it's an accessibility option to just turn that off. Um, because, yeah, I don't know if there's other people out there who are super sensitive to this stuff like me, but it's it's something that I need for my own sake of development in the game. Huh. That's, I've never encountered uh, that specific issue. Like, the, the uh, way your game shows up on screen could make you a little motion sick would make it hard to work on the game yeah it's definitely an issue with my uh day job working for bellwood studios where uh the game is fully 3d and i said like guys can we please add in a 2d like isometric view for this because otherwise i'm gonna get nauseous trying to beta test it huh damn that sucks i mean good for the workarounds and and figuring out and obviously that's something you'll think about from the jump when designing those accessibility options. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I think we're both super stoked to see where you go. What's, what's the plans? What's the long-term plans for Worlds Within Worlds? Well, so this is the thing, is that I, I'm having uh, trouble figuring out exactly where this is going to go because mm. there's a lot of work that's been done in the game so far in Game Maker Studio version 1.4. The mm. current version available is 2.3. Um, there is an option for me to port it to from the old version of Game Maker to the new version of Game Maker. I don't want to do that. I want to switch over to Unity uh, because I, I have more faith in that platform and now a substantial amount of experience. Especially all these accessibility features I want to add in are going to be way easier to build out in terms of Unity's UI and layout tools. Mm-hmm. Um, the current menu that's in the game is held together with like sticks and twine. Uh, it works. It's just every screen, every menu screen has to have the exact same number of options. And <laughs> yeah, just a bunch of other weird limitations that are all to do with how I have it put together. So I'm, I'm really bumping up against those limitations. And you're, you're at I a crossroads to, now. Yeah, exactly. And I, I want the game to support like actual multiplayer, not just the asymmetrical multiplayer, as, as I think that that's really neat. But I think a lot of people are going to enjoy the idea of like 
you think about Super Mario Brothers style multiplayer where every character is just their own entity on the screen and they can all be running around and collecting leaves together. Like, yeah. that lets two people of the same level of game literacy play the game in a unique and fun way. Hmm. So we're, we're figuring out how to, how to get this game into a new engine uh, or stick with the, the sticks and twine. Do you mean actually, like... The Twine engine. I know some people build little <laughs> little workings for that. Uh, I assume you meant the analogy of very much the analogy. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess that's exciting. Are you looking for publishers? I know lots of people in our Discord were talking to Nintendo at Game Slice, trying to get on the the Almighty Switch. Yeah, and like that would give me an opportunity to publish the game on the switch but it wouldn't it's not that nintendo would be the publisher right mm-hmm. I, I still need a publisher mm-hmm. um if i was going to make this game because as i mentioned i'm employed on uh, my, my my day job is working for bellwood studios so this is only something that i have time for in the evenings and weekends mm-hmm. and um you know all the design work is basically done but the actual job of rebuilding it in another engine and yeah there's a lot that still needs to be done and the i really feel like the game needs a story even if it's just a minimal one, because right now, hey, it's a 2D pixel platformer that doesn't have any real gimmicks to it. Like, how do I even talk about this? How do I convince people, no, no, it's actually a good game. Please try it. You, you need a... You, you feel like you need a, a hook or, or gimmick to, to really make it stand out? Well, that's the thing. I don't want to just add a gimmick to the right, game. Right, right. Um, I, I believe that the quality of the gameplay stands up, but I need some sort of talking point. And I think that the talking point has got to be the narrative. Even mm. if the narrative ends up being a kind of minimal part of the experience, it has to be something to get people in the door. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, that, I feel like because... Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. Go, go ahead, Steve. I was just going to shoot something at the wall, I guess, where it's like... Because the, the main thing you're doing is collecting leaves, and then you're kind of going within these sort of like very similar looking worlds like i don't know if there's some sort of like i don't know master like big tree that connects all these different worlds together and you're kind of just trying to rebuild towards it that's sort of like the impression that i kind of just got from playing it even though yeah like you said there isn't necessarily a story quote unquote but your main goal is like collecting these leaves i feel like you can build something around that that's be pretty cool yeah and there there are ideas that i have that i have sort of pitched internally that um I want to try to build on that, and I'm talking with Gamma Space locally here in Toronto. Nice. Um, maybe get some help from them towards the like, you know, the, the it's always the the plight of the indie developer. Like I'm I'm basically working on this game alone, except I've been um, getting music from Mark Sparling and uh, his daily Creator music tracks. The amazing A Short Hike original soundtrack. Yes, yes, exactly. And uh, I've worked with Mark before. He did the the background, um, the soundtrack f- for one of my games up on Steam, uh, the action platformer, sort of Mega Man style, Robo's World, the Zarnok Fortress. And yeah, so I, I've worked with Mark in the past, and I'd love to work with Mark to get an original soundtrack for this game as of, as of right now. Um, are you aware that uh, Mark Sparling made like over 1,300 uh, songs on a daily basis for the better part of three and a half years. I didn't realize it was that one. Like I, I followed along with some of the daily ones and would listen like, Oh, that's fun. But I had no idea. That's like four years of making songs every day. Yeah. So those are what I'm using in the game right now. Okay. Um, because there's so many, there's so much gold in among those, uh, 1,337 songs. 
And uh, so that's what's in the game right now. And other than that, I'm doing the artwork, I'm doing the level design, I'm, I'm wearing a few too many hats. So I'm, I'm hoping that with some collaboration uh, with members of Gamma Space that we can maybe find someone to do the PR, find someone to secure a publisher, and that mm. I can still contribute in the limited time that I have towards continuing development of this game. But yeah, for now, I'm basically just every day, every weekday, uh, like Monday through Friday, I'm doing two hours worth of streaming on Twitch, mm -hmm. where sort of the first hour is something unique, and then the second hour's worth is more development on the game. Mm. And uh, yeah, just chipping away at it slowly but steadily. So if you're a publisher listening to this episode, and I know there's probably one or two of these sick freaks listening, you should reach <laughs> out to Bluish. No, I botched it. I, you know, it's my own fault. So Bluish Green Games Incorporated is the like incorporated name of the studio, but otherwise I go by Bluish Green Productions as the sort of catch-all. You, the publisher listening to this, should get in touch with Bluish Green Productions. Make your pitch. Uh, it's interesting. I like, I, I like a lot of these uh, kind of pixel art platforming games, but the ones that really do stick with me are ones with a really tight story. Like, And uh, listening to a lot of interviews with the developers of those games, kind of like uh, like Take Celeste, for example, the game mm -hmm. came first, just like it did here. They had uh, a demo they really liked. Uh, people really liked it. Um, but they just needed to figure out why do we care about this character and what's going on and what we're doing. And so they sort of just came up with a very obvious metaphor of like climbing a mountain in terms of like getting over depression and uh, learning to be accept your you know all that stuff came after the base of the game was sort of fleshed out so so i don't know I, I, to me it speaks well to me it speaks well to the game that you're in a similar position to a lot of these other uh really successful games i really like uh that started where this is and ended up somewhere really cool so i, w I just want to let you know i'm very optimistic about the future of uh, <laughs> worlds within worlds and i would i would love to s play on my switch in, in a year or two and obviously i'm sure you would love for me to do that as well and uh yeah, <laughs> yeah th so. thanks thanks for sharing the demo with us and and uh for answering our questions telling steve that um nope i lost my train of thought there <laughs> Well, yeah, oh, again, thank you so much for actually uh, playing through the game and giving the feedback. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. So, Steve, mm -hmm. and I, I hope it's on your wish list, is... So what I do on Itch.io is I make a collection and I just call it wish list and then I add it to it. Uh, and I think Steve did that too. Uh, is Worlds Within Worlds from Bluish Green Productions in Toronto on your Itch.io wish list? Yes, it is. Perfect. Uh, it is on mine as well. We will... Of course, be following the game's development as best we can moving forward. Um, hopefully, publishing some articles about uh, publishers and, and uh, such. Uh, that's got to always be a very weird situation. Is uh, sitting with this thing that a bunch of people tell you is good, and you're you're just, you're just in that crossroads, trying to look for the next step. Yeah, absolutely. Like as I mentioned, I've released other games on. Uh, Steam before without the assistance of a publisher and neither of those went well mm. and I you know as I said I'm 27 years old I can't keep putting games out on Steam to die you know mm -hmm. like this one has to work and if that means that it's going to take years worth of retooling to make it into something that people are going to notice and are going to want to play at first glance then that's all that's what it's going to take alright well big Thumbs up, uh, slap the Canadian game devs.com endorsement on the box. Uh, everyone check out Worlds Within Worlds. 
that's it for wish list this this week where should we wrap it up let's wrap it up steve's putting in the doc in front of me in a subtle way that i don't read it out into the, the audio that everyone's going to hear uh, yeah, <laughs> uh why don't we, we close we out, <laughs> let's close out the show with what we've been playing uh always like to doesn't have to be canadian uh, although this week i did play a canadian game uh i'll throw it to you first steve maybe give gabriel a second i also didn't tell him ahead of time to think of this uh, <laughs> it's okay i listened to the last episode so i was pretty much familiar with the format of the show oh, perfect oh. uh what you think of the episode it was really cool. Yeah, it was the um, the interview with oh with Tony. Um, yeah, yeah. Hey, Tony. Yeah, we, yeah, I don't think we put up the <laughs> what we did after. It's coming up. Don't worry, uh, Steve. Uh, what are you been playing? Last soul. <laughs> what you, um, yeah, wishlist last soul. Uh, what have you been, been playing, Steve? Been uh, redownload Resident Evil Zero. I finally. Okay, decided- can you walk me through your your decision to play every mainline Resident Evil game? So I. I, like, two weeks ago, was like, hey, Steve, I'm watching this eight-hour video essay on the Resident Evil franchise, and then sort of, like, was, like, as I was watching it, highlighting things I thought were interesting to you, and then you texted me, and I were like, Steve, I decided I'm going to play through the entire Resident Evil franchise uh, mainline, and I was like, wow, okay, uh, why, so, Steve? <laughs> so this is probably one of the most important series to me ever as a gamer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Final Fantasy is probably, like, up there, and then, mm-hmm. maybe, I don't know, Zelda or some shit. Um, and I've been wanting to like just read, re, do it or replay these. Um, and Resident Evil Zero, I was playing before, but it's it's pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'll just play it on easy. So I, I finally got to like where I was on on normal, um, but on easy. But but really, the the spoiler, I guess, is the the game that I'm kind of like making is basically a Resident Evil. Like, it's, I'm trying to like do a Resident Evil game, and so I'm just like, you know what? It's been a while since I replayed zero like i haven't played it since the gamecube days except for like this you know the last month or whatever mm-hmm. um and i kind of want to just like go through it and just like get you do field research you're, you're doing uh what, what other cool things can we add to the toolkit yeah exactly and they're all kind of like a little bit different um resident Evil zero was like the first one that had actually i think it's the only one that's no resident Evil five so it has like an ai controlled person and you can't, um, it, but doesn't have co-op, so it's not like Heather can play or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of cool back then, but now it's just like really annoying. So like on normal, they're shooting <laughs> when I didn't want them to shoot. And I'm like, oh, motherfucker. So on easy, when they just give you like a shit ton of ammo, it's a lot easier. So I'm going through that. It's 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 fine. Definitely remake is like better when it comes to like the GameCube Resident Evils. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's sort of like my my intention is just to like, I'm Resident Evil Zero, then remake. Then I'll probably do two OG, three OG, and then four or five, six. And then I'll maybe six I've tried to replay like 18 times in my life, and I hate it. But I'm going to I'm gonna try to do it. Got punched that boulder, Steve. Like, it's going to take me like, no, that's Resident Evil 5. Oh. Um, it's going to take me like 20 years to play all these games anyway. So. Um, but I've been catch up on Vita games and then NBA 2K. I haven't really had that much time to play. You finally got your coffee. It was in limbo for a while. Well, it was just lim- in limbo for the day. And then okay. at the end of the day, they called me. Because I was home trying to put my daughter to sleep. And they came, knocked on the door, and then left me that stupid, you know, slip. letter slip that says, sorry, we couldn't get you. I'm like, mother... Like, Amazon was sent me a desk. <laughs> Amazon sent me a desk and just fucking left it at my door. Like, it's, just, <laughs> it's just a basketball game. Just leave it. And... Uh. Um, they don't. So then they, at the end of the day, they called me and was like, oh, when do you want this on Monday? And I'm like, can I come get it right now? And they're like, yeah, sure. I'm like, all right. So I went and just got my copy. But, there um, you go. And it's still NBA. 
It's still just NBA. Yeah. It's still just NBA. <laughs> there you go. Jake Farm. Jake from State Farm. Jake from State Farm. That clip is so stupid. Oh. The WNBA mode still like, fixes that. Like it does it doesn't have any of the stuff. You can't spend VC in the WNBA mode, which I'm actually kind of blown away they did that. Um, so just play that. I have to be honest. I haven't played the main game or whatever. Like the like I haven't played the storyline. I haven't played any other game other than WNBA games with Sophia. So as as like the creative character I made. So. I'm just picturing some writer at like I don't know Two K Marin or wherever they make this and. They get to work the one day, and it's like, hey, good news. We just signed a contract. Uh, you've been working on this campaign. Uh, please fit in the character Jake from State Farm uh, somewhere in the campaign and uh, just make it make sense. They're just this advertising mascot is now a character in your heartfelt journey of overcoming college basketball to become an NBA star and just shoehorn this in somewhere. It just I don't know when this series <sighs> turned into such a, like, Cash grab. cash grab but 2k19 had some of that and to be honest i 2k19 was the first one i played in like a decade because mm-hmm. i also recently played nba 2k1 <laughs> on dreamcast like just nba 2k yeah 2001 version oh okay um has alan iverson on the cover i played as vince carter on the raptors good times and did uh, uh did the subway guy come out at any point and try and no, say hi while you were dunking or afraid not sadly okay. no okay <laughs> Uh, Steve, I finally beat Boyfriend Dungeon, and I gotta be honest, it was a, it was a bit of a slog near the end. Uh, I don't like grinding in games, so let me prerequisite that with, if a chunk of your game is go away from the story you're interested in, and go back to dungeons you've already mm. beaten, and play until the number moves high enough to let you come back and keep going, I'm gonna hate your game. And that's just so- like... There's people who love that and, you know, don't obviously steer the ship towards me if people are going to love that. But this is not this is not for me. So you felt like you had to, like, level up a bit more? There's specifically a mission I got to. It was like, please come back with a level six hero. And my closest hero was, like, level three. And I was like, oh, you want me to go just clear lines, clear levels in a dungeon for a couple hours? cool and i wanted to see the end because i really like the story the writing the characters in boyfriend dungeon the art it's all great but i don't want to go grind out a dungeon for two hours and i get it's half the name is dungeon so there's gonna be some grinding uh but that really struggled near the end for me steve to keep my attention but i did beat it uh a testament to the game my girlfriend who was next to me on the couch the whole time i played it immediately wanted to start again she's like oh, i want to see if you do this or this and i was like i'm never playing boyfriend dungeon again. <laughs> this past couple hours i'm done that was my boyfriend dungeon experience i dated uh seven the k-pop star uh, he's great I, I wish the best for him in his future k-pop career um but we we will be moving on from boyfriend dungeon um so if Grinding out uh, arbitrary numbers in a dating sim is not appealing to you. That happens in this. But if great characters, great writing, uh, really funny writing, really well-written characters who... uh, I was really invested in how their arcs ended appeals to you. Definitely check out Boyfriend Dungeon. And it's on Game Pass. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's it's the the classic Game Pass plug. Just download it. Give it a shot. If you don't like Boyfriend Dungeon within an hour, you know whether you'll like the rest of it. 
Uh, and then I've also been jumping into Sable also on Game Pass. This game's like the hot indie game of the moment, so I won't spend too much time on it. I really like it. It's buggy as hell. Like, it, it's, a, mm, it's one of those yeah. games where it's me fighting against getting stuck and having to quit to the menu and then relaunch the game to spawn to a different place or my biker thing because you can summon it like a horse my biker thing gets stuck somewhere and i can't find it and i use my compass to get to it and it's fallen into this crevice so i'm like oh so i like if you fast travel somewhere it spawns next to you and there's no penalty for that so i'm just i'm having to fight against the game a lot to enjoy it but when it's working, when it's not chugging, the, the frame rate chugs. And it's hard to tell in situations when it's chugging, because I don't know if you've seen gameplay, but the character is animated at like 12 frames per second, and the world's at like 60. So there's moments where I'm looking at my character, and then all of a sudden the world starts chugging, and I'm like, wait, is and then it all everything speeds up again, and that doesn't help. Like, if it ran smooth 60, and my character was at 12, like, like Spider-Verse uh, style animation... Um, can I um, obviously be much more affecting? Uh, what? Sorry, can I stop and then just send you the file later? I really gotta go. All right, you gotta go. You gotta bounce. We'll round out with what uh, Gabe's been playing and close out the show. Did Sophia sorry. wake Bye up? Everyone. Uh, yeah, uh, I, got, I have to go. Bye. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, Sable is buggy as hell right now. I would wait till a couple patches in before diving into it. But I really like everything I've played. Gabriel, why don't you tell me what you've been playing this past week, and we'll round out the show. Yeah, sure. Uh, for me, it's just been the the tiny like time sliver I have at the end of the evening uh, to play through Fire Emblem Three Houses. Okay. And uh, how are you finding it? Uh, it's really enjoyable so far. I'm going through the Golden Deer route with Best Boy Claude. Mm. Um, I know that in the game they pronounce it Claude, but I mean, come on, it's it's Claude. It's got the E, right? <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so definitely enjoying that. I, I definitely have a soft spot for the Fire Emblem franchise. I picked it up with Awakening, and uh, yeah, I've been having fun with that slowly but surely getting through it. Definitely feel like there's a little bit of the you know aforementioned grinding. It's not strictly necessary, but there's uh, I want to experience more of the story more quickly, and mm-hmm. I think it's best enjoyed with a, a podcast on while you're actually going through the battles. But uh, yeah, overall, the character writing is pretty good, even if some of the plot stuff is a little like contrived yeah it, it's uh it's fire emblem from all like, i haven't played it i played uh i played awakening and then i played um the one after that and fates? uh yes fates i played through birthright i think um and yeah i i, I can't say the the fantasy setting bunch of because there's like a glossary you need to understand to to really get into the world and politics of this game right uh, you know, I would say that there there's a lot there, but by and large, if you're just in it for the intercharacter uh, relationship stuff, that's really easy to understand within the way that the game structures its narrative content. Do at any point in this Fire Emblem, do I have to blow on my screen to dry off my partner after a shower? Oh, good lord. Yeah, see, I skipped Fates. Okay, um, okay. But uh, there's, I mean, I, I'm, I don't think there's a microphone in the uh, the Joy Cons. There's a lot of fancy tech in there, but not a microphone, to my understanding. Okay, okay, that's that's good. Uh, well, yeah, got, um, man, I kind of fumbled. Steve was Steve's my like my balance, you know, like we're on the scale, and uh, <laughs> he's left, and now I'm aimless. But uh, so you've enjo- enjoying, f- uh, yeah, I guess since you develop games during the day and then develop games in your spare time do you often play a lot of leisure games in a week or no i i have almost no time like the the 
the only AAA games I've been making time for have been like Nintendo titles that I'm really excited for. Mm. Uh, I'm still getting a nice variety of games because every time that somebody comes onto my Twitch stream and I'm doing an interview with them, I'm simultaneously playing their game and we're either doing an interview where I'm talking about their experience developing the game mm-hmm. or I'm giving feedback on it and that's also a lot of fun um, just to have a conversation with another designer. Like, It's always fascinating to me like how people tackle various challenges and uh, how they solve the various design hurdles that are come their way naturally. Um, but yeah, other than that, (laughs) oh, and then on Thursdays on the stream, I'm having fun doing a hybrid Nuzlocke Let's Play. If you've heard of those where like a Pokemon faint, it's dead for good. Um, Oh no. I'm playing that, but also simultaneously playing XCOM Enemy Unknown and the troops have the same names as the Pokemon. So if either the Pokemon or the troop dies, they're both knocked out from the other game. That's fun. Very fun. We got to include a link to your Twitch in the show notes. So everyone, if this sounds fun, uh, just scroll down a bit and, and follow Gabriel on Twitch. Do you feel a lot of pressure in your recreational time to be, because obviously these kind of games you're playing are very different than the kind of games you're making, uh, mm-hmm. even just mechanically. But do you feel a lot of pressure while you're playing games leisurely to be like doing that field research, like Steve's doing Resident Evil, where like, okay, what can I, what can I pull out of this? What in this is working? What's not? And how do I, how do I translate that into my own work? You know, I not really. Like the mm. the thing is that the the games that have inspired, like let's say Worlds Within Worlds, right? Mm-hmm. It's Mario, um, through and through. And I've played enough Mario in my lifetime that if I really wanted to, I could probably go back through and do another playthrough of their, the various Mario games. But I feel like the the project to where it is right now has evolved beyond the feel of Mario. So if I were to go back, I might harvest the various Mario titles for like, oh, that's a fun platforming obstacle or enemy. I might try to integrate something like that into my game. But I don't need to make my game feel any more like Mario right now. I mm. at the best uh the best idea would be to see like, okay, well my my um core engagements, the, the feel I'm going for is is joy in overcoming challenges. And mm. same with Mario. Mario's all about joy um, you know, when we when we spoke to uh, Ted from Nintendo, he was all, always talking about how Nintendo is all about creating smiles, and I completely get that feel from the various Mario games, especially. And I I really hope that that's the kind of game that I can make as well. Mm-hmm. So I absolutely see the value in going back and playing through the games that you love that are the inspiration for the projects that you're working on. Mm-hmm. But right now, I wouldn't have the time to do that. <laughs> Uh, you ever dabble with a uh, uh, Mario Maker? Because I feel like uh, I jump into Mario Maker, especially two on the Switch. Whenever like a designer I follow on Twitter, like the Celeste devs put out a bunch of levels, and I'm like, wow, what, what are you gonna do with the Mario framework? Uh, do you do you ever mess with those? No, the funny thing is, I'm not remotely interested in making something in someone else's engine. I've never been interested in modding games, uh, making mods, or modding. Uh, implementing other people's mods, unless it's a difficulty modifier. I have modded Hades, I've modded Dark Souls to reduce the difficulty in both of those games so that I can actually get through them. That's interesting. They have the God... they have the god mode like toggle in Hades yeah, on the menu. Yep, yeah, and it's not enough. Not like, enough. We, I started playing through that game with a 10x damage boost, and I thought like, surely this is overkill. And the, no, towards the end of the game, we switched over to 100x to actually finish that game with my partner because mm-hmm. like, the number of times you have to play through that game to actually get to the end of the story, mm-hmm. 
it made me not like the game as much. Like I started into that game thinking like, this is a nine out of 10, 10 out of 10 experience. And then by the time it's like, you want me to play through this game how many times? Mm. What? Like, I, I get that dying is supposed to be part of the experience, but the only way to advance the plot is to succeed X number of times. And if you mm-hmm. actually want to see the end of that story and not just look it up on YouTube, it's, it's, a, it's a slog. And that was really sad to me because like there's a really cool story here and i feel like the people who are going to be here just to experience the you know hard hardcore like nose to the grindstone gameplay they're going to keep playing it regardless but for people like my partner and i who we we just want to see the story we're not necessarily in for the grind and Mm -hmm. it's uh it's, it gets kind of disheartening when the characters in the game start spouting generic dialogue when it's like, you, you, I know there's more to your story. You're not triggering. Why aren't the flags putting the unique content first? Mm-hmm. Come on. Huh. So, you know, this is this is all sort of hearkening back to why I have such a serious commitment to accessibility in my own games because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not a little kid with infinite time anymore. I have, as I've just described, very limited time to play it's games. Slivers. You have slivers of time. Exactly. So, yeah, and, and you know, I know that, that I'm not alone in that, especially anyone who is a parent, like mm-hmm. Steve, or, you Steve, know, who had to leave me. this call while we were recording it because his daughter woke up. Exactly. So, you know, for those people uh, who see the, like, my behavior in, like, cheating in these games to get through the experience more quickly as, like, some kind of, like, oh, you're just soft, you know, it's like, well, I, I hope you never end up in my situation where you feel like you don't have enough time to experience all the things that you want. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, I'm going to extend a hand and try to make my games accessible to people with, you know, as much or as little time to experience them as possible. I love that. That, that, that line of thinking is really interesting. And I think Steve and I would love to have you back on for, we do like, instead of just guesting on the podcast, like a full on, we got like some questions. We want an interview talk more generally about design and any pearls of wisdom you've came from your career. Uh, so, so if you're interested in the future, we, we'd love to have you back on. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It sounds like a lot of fun. Cause this I, has been a lot of fun. I'm glad I, I can tell just from, just from the way you're talking about the, your approach to games that it's a lot of things you're doing. I like, and I'd like to ask you about them. Uh, but unfortunately that is it for this episode. Number 100 and oh, what was it? 98. That's a lot of the King game devs.com podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Gabriel, for joining us. Uh, we'll put any links to your Twitch, Twitter, the game in the show notes, but is there anything else you'd like folks to do who are interested in keeping up with your work? Um, you know, I think the only other thing that I haven't mentioned is the fact that I'm also trying to maintain a discord. Uh, basically when the Twitch streams aren't live, I want to keep the conversation going. Uh, so you can check out bit.ly slash BGP discord, and I will throw a link in the show notes as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, so you, you can find me on there. I'm always happy to respond to questions either, you know, in text or I'll address the question next time I'm streaming, which is every day between 7.30 and 9.30 EST. Awesome. PM or AM? Oh, uh, that is PM. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't I sure if it was a uh, pull up with my cup of coffee and, uh, watch, watch Gabriel play some XCOM and he, <laughs> the XCOM and, uh, Pokemon. Pokemon Emerald. Pokemon Emerald. That sounds that sounds fun. I'll tune in this week and say hi. Uh, as sounds should great. all of you listening to this. 
Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to help us do what we do, you can go over to patreon.com slash Canadian game devs, back us at the credited patron tier or higher to get your name at the end of every episode. Uh, but we also give away discord perks, uh, game keys and discount codes for Canadian gaming events to all our patrons. Uh, at the highest tier, we'll plug your work at the top of every episode for as long as you're a patron at that tier. Uh, but for credited patrons, thank you so much to Aaron McLeod, Canuck Play, David Winter, David Nagy, Daniel Miller, Doug Z, Eric Beer, Eleanor, Elizabeth Avery, Jean Leggett, Kai Hutchins, Meow the Leon, Nicholas A. Zorko, Pixelnots underscore Alex, Sean Hayden, Slaughter Neko, and Stacey H. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. We'd love to take your feedback, good or bad, on any platform you're on. Scroll down, give us a review. Uh, if the program you use to listen to podcasts doesn't, support reviews you can send all feedback to contact at canadiangamedevs.com thank you so much once again for joining us gabriel and uh say goodbye to all the folks out there likewise steven thank you so much for having me and thanks everyone who's listened in and maybe if you're interested in checking out the game i would love to hear your feedback on it thanks so much There we go. We close out on that. It's beautiful. Uh, everyone loves it. You get a million wish lists the next day. Uh, <laughs> There's <laughs> if a you tell me your audacity one. stopped, I will jump off my balcony. No, no, it's still going, man. It's still okay. Going.